as you age and and uh, your preferences change. Um, hi, everyone. We're live. <laughs> good. Well, for my respect, yeah. Good evening. Yeah. And good. good. Good evening, and we will be good evening throughout the duration of this for you, right? Yes, because yeah. um, rather rudely, and for everyone else who has <laughs> a, the usual login, I've been I've asked for get for um, guest privileges to be able to pull the time forward a little bit. So I thank you all yeah. for your uh, your um, bearing with us. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Uh, we are we are live uh, extra two hours early tonight. Uh, some scheduling issues. Um, I call it conflicts. They're not issues. They're well, fundamentally, it's rather selfish on my behalf because I, I wanted some sleep. Well, yeah, um, I mean, yeah. So I mean, so blame Barry for the. <laughs> I was gonna say, I've, I've got an early start tomorrow morning. I needed more than I think it was two, three, four, five. I was going to get three and a half hours sleep, and apparently that's not good to to start a uh, two to three hour drive on. So um, it's all for the common good, though, because I'm got I'm going. Uh, and lecturing at um at what was my local university and it's now not my local university anymore by a good two and a half hours away but, um, you're you're two and a half hour away university it's... yeah so it's, it's all, all for the greater good apparently or at least for the to future good. future human facts practitioners unless i really put them off <laughs> um, um bef- before we went live before we went live i was telling you um basically so we were talking before we went live about going back to school and kind of what the point is and what the interest would be, you know, what the pool would be. Uh, and we were talking about singular topics that would be, uh, you know, kind of that drive for a PhD. I was about to tell Barry that, you know, my, my interest has always been kind of like in VR and thought maybe that was it. As you age, as things change, that has changed. And the closest I've got to recently has been sort of what we're doing with the podcast lab. Um, like kind of exploring different ways to communicate with people uh, about human factors messaging and um, making it fun, interesting, exciting to talk about and learn about uh, human factors. This obscure topic that you know. Yeah, I think my my most recent one now has to. Well, it's it, actually it is around that climate ergonomics. Piece around yeah. climate change and, and the, the interaction between climate change and human factors um but again it's one of these things it, this is where i find the whole phd thing weird because nowhere else do you work in such a singular fashion um you know you yeah. work as part of a team and so i've got my team working with me and the, you know we're now getting partners on board and um organizations who want to come and play and for me that's the fun bit is the I don't know everything at this point, but I can really pull together people who can, and we can produce some, you know, quite exciting things. Um, I'm quite enjoying just doing it that way, actually, just going and um, cracking on and um, and, pl- and playing with some bits. So we, the, that whole guide that we produced, we were um, looking at producing. In fact, I was in a meeting yesterday, I think, or whatever, um, where we look looking to produce another three or four like, really practical guides at different levels from. The person on the street all the way up to government so um yeah i've got time to do a phd i'm, I'm busy i'm too busy trying to tell other people what to do and how to live their lives exactly exactly so you're <laughs> you've kind of skipped that step and you're you're like straight up professor now <laughs> i think this is really <laughs> <accurate>. <laughs> 
Not least of not least of which the professors that I'm working with. <laughs> you can you you can always go the cheat way, right? And and try to do excellence uh, in the world in other ways and get an honorary. Uh, oh, that's an idea. You, you should, do I not, not just need to buy people at, um, drinks at the bar at the right time? I think to... that's it, right? That's yeah. you, you just oh, what's happened to our music? Oh, dude. I don't know why that went away. Uh-oh. There we go. We're back. All right, well, we're we're back with the music. All right. Because us just pausing for a second to breathe uh, is yes. not good. Um, it, was, it was a shock of you you suggesting that, um, <laughs> that we could just go through, go through the honor room. Yeah, it was a mic drop, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right. All right. Uh, let's... I'm still trying to do my. I'm trying to round out my blurb. But okay. Long. I'm, oh, I'm... here I can I can make some suggestions. Uh, if, if I'm, I'm sure you can, you've got a very lethal cutting hand i i yeah it's pretty pretty heavy-handed here um i want no that's fine because i want to talk about NCAP. yeah um, i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna suggest here i'm gonna heavily suggest so you can oh, just, accept... just just cut it's fine <laughs> uh let's see here i'm not i'm not precious This might be. I do want some of that left in. Cause... Yeah, I know. I'm. I'm thinking this might be like some good amplifying information. Maybe not uh, okay. in blurb, yeah. but like something that we bring up, right? As like part of the restating the article bit. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll so let's cut it. We'll we'll paste it down in the like restate the article uh, section. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Those are important points to keep, um, but for the like, you know, just high level stuff. Yeah, um... uh, I have I have this in the examples, so let's go ahead and cut it. Okay. Right, and then yeah, I think that's we're getting to the point that's there. Fine. Yeah, I'll um. And I think if we, yeah, all right, uh, we need, let's see here, about how AI in, oh shoot, I need to stop editing. Let's see here. Or suggest I need to edit. Now AI in driving in vehicles. They'll be able to adapt to our needs and later um <clears throat> how was everybody's break you were watching it was a it was a holiday here in the states of course it was you had uh, thanksgiving and, and turkey and stuff i presume yeah we we yeah. um did, did you go did you do the whole thing that i'm i'm i'm, I'm assuming it only happens in movies where you all pile up outside the doors of the store until they open, you all dive in and basically it becomes into some sort of brutal thing where you're just going to try oh. and get a TV and something. Oh, you're talking about Black Friday. Oh, no. No, I think there's... I think there's been, like, a culture shift around Black Friday, at least, you know, in civilized 
society, <laughs> uh, where now it's it's more about like compassion towards retail workers. <laughs> and it's like, don't shop on Black Friday. And I mean, really, even the detail, the the deals on the uh, on the uh, on Black Friday are just kind of not that great anymore either. They used to be really great to get people in the door, but now you have you know certain products that are built just for that day, where it's like. Oh hey, here's a here's a TV that was made just for Black Friday and it has a six month warranty. Think about that for a minute, um, <laughs> you know. And and so I think there's been a cultural shift, at least in my inner circle, to stay home on Black Friday. <laughs> like maybe if there's some cool online deal, maybe snag it with slow shipping because you don't need it right away. You know, like that type of thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think we bought what maybe three or four items if that and yeah it was just so yes it it is all movies um although i will say there's probably um a subset of folks who love to go out and do that stuff but i don't think it's anywhere near as crazy as it has been in the past right like i'll tell a, a funny story so i was i used to work at a handbag store um a women's handbag store and uh, it, it was a designer handbag store. And so um, it was an outlet for a designer handbag store. So you're already getting steep discounts on it. Um, <laughs> there's uh, and when we did Black Friday, I think it was something like 70 percent off. Pretty good oh, you know, store wide. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you think about the margins that they're selling those things at and it's kind of ridiculous already. So really, they're making back materials and then some anyway. Um, so I, I remember I was working opening shift one night for that store, and uh, you know a lady kind of jumped on the table, clutching a handbag, saying, "This is mine! Everybody stay away!" You know, and it's just like this crazy scene that you would only expect from like a movie or something. And it's um, yeah, it was cra- crazy. And uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> one of my coworkers at the time had packed. Uh, these these crossbody bags, you know, the ones that kind of go across your body like a oh, sling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, so one thing that um, happened was we had these like little stands that were uh, effectively like metal pipes, just kind of, you know, there. And you'd clip the bags around them, except there was no way to get the bags off without unclipping them and pulling oh, them off. Right. And so when we opened the doors, everybody went over to these crossbodies and pulled it in every which way, not realizing that you had to unclip it from the thing. And so you have like one person pulling it in one direction, another, the whole thing kind of toppled over, everyone kind of mad. It was like a pile of people on the floor. It was kind of insane (laughs) for handbags, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's that's my crazy Black Friday stories, Uh, you know, and and thankfully during that time I I was a cashier, so I had this big barrier um, big between, between, <laughs> between and, the, and the craziness and it was almost like watching <laughs> this um this scene unfold that it's just like you know i'm i'm safe here behind this barrier no one's gonna jump like it was a big enough barrier no one would jump over it no one would like you know jump. and there was no product behind the the registers or anything it was just it was like okay i'm safe back here i'm good I'm yeah good. yeah you're good <laughs> yeah i'd like to sort of say that um over in the uk we far too um Far too British to do that sort of thing, um, but that's that's so not the case. Um, <laughs> in fact, I think it's it's possibly not as bad as you know what we, I, I guess, um, see in the sort of the, the movie that that type of thing. But I do, what I do find quite interesting is 
we have the you know you get a new supermarket open um and so the ability it's, it's the new opening day and i, I used to um I used to be a counselor at one point, so I got, got invited to the opening of the supermarket. And I was like, oh, that's going to be interesting. It's opening, opening up at 7 o'clock in the morning. Not many people will be there, you know, it'll be it'll be fine. I got there and people were queued around the car park. Literally, wow. it was just a, it's just a standard supermarket. Um, though, you know, it was fine, but there were people queued around the car park just for the opening of the supermarket at 7 o'clock in the morning, just sort of to dive in to the supermarket. I was like, dude, there's, there's, you know, the biggest supermarket is literally just two minutes down the road. If you're that desperate for stuff, you could have gone there. I just haven't been the first in the queue or something. I think you've got bacon butty or something, but literally around the car, I was like, wow, this, this is something else. Insane. Maybe, maybe we should do a, um, a, a podcast on like sort of human behavior around, um, um shopping. Oh, that'd be uh, fun. And that, mm, not much IOT or any, or any cool technology involved in it though. Just pure behavior and craziness. Um, right. I think we're just about there with. Uh, yeah, just about. Um, I need to uh, accept your. Um, ooh. Edits, and we do need it came from. Uh, where, yes, what, no, that's, 15, that's where we. That's what I was going to look next. Yeah, 15 minutes until showtime. We need three questions. Um, if you are here watching with us and would like to leave us a question. Well, that'd be a good idea. Save us some work. Just give a, give us a question, and we could answer that. What's the shortcut? Um, be- hey, by the way, um, I don't know if you saw the show notes, but we're going to change social thoughts. Uh, what? You, you, we can't do change. Yes, we can. We're, it, it's going to be a good well, change. Okay, come on. So um, the the plan going forward for social thoughts is instead of the day of asking about a specific topic, what we're going to do. So we're going to open up voting to the general public <clears throat> on our stories. Up Ooh. till now, it's been patrons only, and that's fine. It's still going to be patrons have most of the say. Yeah. But going forward, uh, we will allocate 20% of the total vote total. So if, you know, 10 people vote. Yeah, okay. Uh, or, or, or sorry, it'll be 20% of our total patrons, right? So if we have 10 patrons, we have more than that. But if we have 10 patrons the general audience would get two votes. Ooh, those could be swing votes and everything. They could be swing votes. Oh, That's yeah. kind of the interesting thing here, right? We have a lot of ties. We have a lot of ties on yeah. Patreon. Yeah. Like today, it was between this one and another one on... Um, oh, geez, what was it? We just, we just talked it was, about it in the show. It, it was the... Oh, the, the ISS. ISS yeah. ISS and debris one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we had... Um, we had those, but we had a tiebreaker. And so what we'll do for social thoughts now is do a poll every Friday mm-hmm. where we're asking the general public what they want us to talk about and to leave a comment about their favorite story. Um, that way they have a week to see it. They have a week to respond. We can pin it to our profile. People can, you know. All yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we're going to get a little bit smarter about social thoughts, I think. Maybe it's smart. I don't know. Maybe, it, maybe it's going to spectacularly it, it broadens the uh the, the level of interaction and makes more people think that they've got got a bit of an input into what we do i think so yeah that's that's, that's kind of the hope right very inclusive i like that all right so we're going back all the way to november 22nd 2021 that is when we got our last uh that was when our last cool. show was um and so what we'll do now Here's here's what we're gonna do. Why don't you just take anything? Uh, so why don't you start from today, go back, and I'll start from 2020, 22, and um, 
and I'll work forward. If you find something, just throw it in there. We'll discuss later. I think that's that's yeah, going to that be. Uh, I'm trying to find good. one that I um I saw earlier today, and I voted on it, and I can't remember where I put it. Oh, okay. Found it. It's okay. No, I'm good. Great. There we go. Let's copy that bad boy over. Um, oh, deleted that one. Excellent. Speaking of Reddit, I need to post our uh, monthly recap up there. Oh, do you have time today in the like in the time that we normally do a post show? Is that is that still okay to do? Yeah, that, that's still good. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna cut our post show short today. To to do that. But um, again, for the greater good. For the greater good. Um. UX job without the title. Welcome to my world. Yeah. Uh, Need to look out for a certain username. If we see anything from a certain username, we cannot use that username. Um, That's cryptic. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. I will let you know if I see that username and we'll just ignore it. Yeah, okay. Uh, yes, but yes, if you want to if you want to help us cheat here um, and leave us a comment with a question uh, or concern or just general human HF stuff. HF query stuff. Yeah. Just drop uh, it in the chat. We'll, we'll probably you know what I, I will I will say we will prioritize that sucker as long as it's, you know. Clean. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's not, we'll we'll, we'll, well yeah. Um, Drop an f bomb every other word, and we will clean that up. Um. But then we won't show it on the show. If you comment, we can show it, right? Anyway. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh. That's similar, so let's not do that. I do find some of these ones quite interesting where you and as you sort of see them on quite a lot of forums. You know, I've got a project and I've got no inspiration. Inspire me, tell me how to in which is in mm-hmm. tell me tell me, give, give me my job for free. Um I hate like those. That. I hate those. Those are my least favorite ones. But I've got no problem with with students asking them sort of questions. I'll just be clear. If students are looking for inspiration, I think that's slightly different. If you're yeah. actually being paid to be that inspiring person, you're just going to Reddit and saying, um, "Can somebody else basically give me my answer for free?" I, how, how, yeah. How do I do my job, please? Yeah. Um, situation. Ah. <laughs> Um, I won't use that one because it might end up using bad language as well. <laughs> um, again, well, in a nutshell, somebody graduating asking what basically the definition of what they just graduated in is. Like, well, okay, you think you weren't paying attention. It's whatever you want it to be. It's the 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 definition is the friends that we made along the way. Uh, I like that. That's very philosophical. 
brush up. Okay, let's see here. A lot of these are advertisements. I feel like a lot of these are advertisements too, and I don't like those. Yeah. Yeah, basically, I, I, I want a new job, basically. Um, construction design skills from mobile. Don't know that one. Um, how many have we got there now? Uh, we got three. three. We could do with another couple just to be able to downslip them. Yeah, just to pair them down. Um, this will be after the podcast. Okay, I think I'm hitting the ones that you were talking about because I'm seeing inspiration yeah. here. Uh, uh, we've talked about this one, but I want to—I like almost want to do a freaking masterclass on this one because it's such a cool idea, and I—I'm keen uh, as. <laughs> I was literally, um, yes, yeah, so I was literally just highlighting the same one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah that works. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I love that one because. Um, oh, thank you for cleaning up those formatting. I don't know why. Like when I copy from Discord, it. Uh, it's okay. I'll look after you. It, does that thank you i appreciate that you know what i think we probably do okay with four um let's let's see which ones we want to talk about here yeah. doesn't use figma um okay and and this then abstracts to other programs that you're familiar Tools. with yeah yeah um though figma is getting really popular it is um, getting really popular do um, you use it periphery i I've, i get my team to use it yeah my um, team uses it too i have um I would love to get more. Again, it's, it's that, we talked about that before in the trade-off between managing your team yeah. and actually being able to get down and dirty with the actual tools itself. I, I do, I don't, I don't use it enough to be proficient. You know, really, really good at it. And it's much easier just to turn around to the team and say, like, you, yeah. "This is what I want. Make it happen," um, because they can really make it sing. Um, but I've also played with Azure quite a lot as well. Um, again, I've got members of the team who are really good at it and can really make it sing. Um, but yeah, anyway. I think I think if we take the first two and the last one, that's that's a good. Um, yeah, because actually the, the them last two are kind of similar. The, they are uh, kind of similar, but I do want to so kind of stress the real yeah, customers. That's, that's so bank but, it, well, put that in the bank. The bank and yeah, and I think through the bank and sit. We we could have, but I like to go through the the things first and then put in the bank because um you know we can always come back to the bank if we need it like it's yes. it's kind of our safety blanket if we've gone through everything and then like okay we, we literally have nothing else let's go to the bank um uh, cool that's that done then um uh yeah what would like we've got eight minutes i haven't done my one more thing Uh, I had a three-hour CIHF council meeting today. Ooh. Which was, which was highly exciting. Some really good stuff. I mean, they're, they're nailing down the you know, next year's conference and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and other things that are going to... Quite exciting that are going to be coming out. Just three hours on a Zoom. Whoa, it's hard work. 
That is, um, yeah. Three-hour meetings are no easy feat. Um, oh, hey, let's let's uh, accept these changes or reject them or whatever. Uh, and then in the blurb, yeah, oh, I yeah. I totally totally get that that uh, three-hour um, is awful. Uh, why can't I accept? Why can't I accept the changes? I think you might need to accept the changes for some reason. Do I? Okay, that's weird. Okay. Um, well, I don't know why I can't do this. I can't accept it. We'll accept, 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 and I think I had one more accept down here. Yeah, okay, cool. Oh, we're done. Cool. I just need to update this little blurb at the top that says, uh, yeah. behind the scenes um uh a little behind the scenes uh mumbo jumbo here i'm gonna try changing up the description on our stuff so i've been slowly trying to optimize so i follow um several different content creators that focus on optimizing content creation okay how, yeah. mu- how much more meta can you get right uh and so you know one of the things i i saw today was about how to better um your youtube descriptions or something like that right and a lot of it comes down to seo right mm-hmm. and and yeah. the thing that seo focuses on is the stuff that's above the fold um for descriptions and so what you see before you have to click more to find out more details yeah and so yeah. what i'm going to start doing and right now it's here's the episode link here's the date it was recorded on here's all that stuff i think i'm going to bump that down and actually do a short description which is what i'm actually making up here right uh tonight okay, on the show yeah, yeah. Or, you know we talked about how ai and vehicles will be able to adapt to our needs um and address some questions from the community on you know working at a company that, so that would be literally the blurb before everything else. Um, so I'm trying to spend a little bit more time on that because if that then becomes the description, people might be more likely to click on our stuff. See, our, you know, it exactly. might just be more user friendly. Yeah, and if they're looking at that in YouTube, then actually they'll see it all there and you, you don't necessarily need to click through to the, the audio episode because you're, you're getting the right. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I put the link... I put the link to our episodes regardless um, because mm. it's a good practice. If people have, like, there's more information contained on our website that then is contained yeah, exactly. yeah. in any one place, right? Like, we have transcripts on our website. We have, um, you know, guest hosts linked. You use the same website I, creator I do. Yep. And so, um, 
so I will you know how with anyone. <laughs> yeah, you can link up your YouTube videos and your um you'll also like going through all of my old um old content and creating basically 10 minute blurbs uh, 10 minute shots of them yeah um, so they go out on YouTube as um using uh, headliner I think it is um but their website is a bit of an iffy for me at the moment um yeah. So I can create that and then link it out to the main the main episode. So it's trying to get decent content on both. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I'm right there with you. Um, we are two minutes away from going live. If you've been hanging out with us on any of these platforms, thank you. Um, really appreciate that. I, I do appreciate the people who show up for the live show. Even if you're quiet, even if you say nothing. The fact that you're Go here and watching. Hello, we can say hello back. And we can be like all interactive and stuff. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you're here and watching or, you know, wherever you're here and watching, because our patrons might actually hear this uh, or watch this or whatever. Um, but if you're here watching, listening, thank you. Truly. Or anybody who's doing what I was doing the other day, which is listening back to it um, through the Twitter link. Because oh, um, yeah. you can you also get the get this recording on there as well. Yeah, it's everywhere. Mm. It's everywhere. Some would say we would get around. <laughs> All right. Paste those there. We're going to unbold them. Uh, there's so many steps. You know, and I just received an email um, from somebody about automate your podcast. And I, I want to look into it because if, there, if there's like source material that I can give and be like, these are the things that I want. Here's like, I don't know, the, the way an AI can work is really exciting to me and maybe i'll look at it but anyway we'll we'll get to that um you got one more thing by the way uh, oh i'll make it up for the end <laughs> okay me too uh yeah. <laughs> if not i'll just use my one more thing from last time because it's still relevant and we got it more is, information yes. now. so all right well uh with that uh we're gonna be right back and we will start this thing we call the show Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. Hello, it's episode 227. We're recording this live on December 2nd, 2021, and this is Human Factors Cast. I'm your host, Nick Rome. I'm joined today uh, across the sea uh, by Mr. Barry Kirby. Good evening. It's great to across be here the pond, again. The, over the pond. What is, across the pond, over the way, across the pond. Across across. The pond yes. Okay. Uh, well, you're here, uh, and I'm happy you're here because we got a great show for you all tonight. We're going to be talking about how artificial intelligence and vehicles may be able to adapt to our needs, and later we're going to answer some questions from the community about working at a company that doesn't use a certain tool that you're used to, how to approach a situation if you don't have a UX or human factors job title, but do the work, and creating a portfolio with projects that don't have real users. But first, we have some programming notes for you all. Uh, and this one's a pretty big one here. This one's uh, social thoughts. We're going to change this up a little bit. Um, so we've been doing social thoughts for a while now, probably a couple months. Uh, and what it has intended to be is kind of reaching out to the community to get your voice involved in the show 
And a lot of the times, uh, you know, we we put the stuff out because we don't know what we're going to talk about because our patrons choose the news here. And so what we're going to be doing going forward, starting tomorrow, we're going to actually allow the public to vote on the news story that they want to hear. Um, this is still going to be a reward for our patrons because they get higher vote share, right? The public's voice is only going to be account for 20 percent of the total vote uh, that we have of patrons. Right. So it'll it'll count for 20 percent of however many patrons that we have. Uh, and it'll be, um, you know, it can act as tiebreakers or just add on to the total. Um, this will give everyone kind of a chance to chime in on the stories that we talk about on the show and give everyone a sense of ownership while still kind of rewarding our patrons and giving them a, a little bit stronger of a vote, if you will, for supporting us financially. Um, I think it's going to be a cool change. Well, I'm excited to see how it uh, all um, plays out here. Uh, we have a couple other updates here. So um, Team C's, those Human Factors Minutes, are going swimmingly. Uh, Barry actually did the latest one from a hotel room. So, uh, you know, we're <laughs> we're chugging Arch along on those. Yeah, oil rigs. Um, and those will continue to come out through the end of this month uh, while the Team C's effort is still going. By the way, quick update on that. I think we're at 17 million last I checked. So pretty close. Pretty, pretty close. Good. And then last but not least, of course, there's uh, there's the holidays coming up for everyone's awareness. Uh, we're going to be around, I think, until the 16th uh, on this program. So you got two more shows with us. But don't worry, we have some content in the works that will come out on the 23rd and the 30th for you all. Um, hopefully, hopefully both days, maybe just one, depending on how much time it takes us to do this stuff. So Stay tuned for that. It's going to be our typical recap of the year's uh, stories, kind of a highlight of stuff that wasn't covered on the show that we want to talk about in, in just a free form. Um, so uh, you can expect that. Uh, anyway, I've talked long enough. Let's get to why you the reason you are all here. It's. That's right. It is Human Factors News. Barry, what is the news story this week? So this week we're talking about the next generation of AI-enabled cars that will understand you. So in the emerging era of smart vehicles, it's the cars that will manage the drivers. We're talking about cars that by recognizing the emotional and cognitive states of their drivers can prevent them from doing anything dangerous. So monitoring sy systems will need to have insight into the state of the entire vehicle and everyone in it to have a full understanding of what's shaping driver behavior and how that behavior affects safety. People are starting to realize that measuring impairment is more nuanced or, com or it's just simply more complicated than making sure that the driver's eyes are on the road and it requires a view beyond just the driver. These monitoring systems need to have insights into the state of the entire vehicle and everyone in it to have a full understanding of what's shaping the driver behavior and how that, how that basically affects what's going on. So how do we know when a driver isn't paying attention? So simply by tracking the driver's head position and the eye closure rate, Basically, you need to understand that larger context. Where does that need for interior sensing and not only driver monitoring come into play? Our previous episode uh, looked at the US, uh, looked looked at the use of artificial intelligence outside the car. Whereas this show is all about how the use of AI and associated associated technology can be utilized to get a better understanding of the current state of the driver and all of the influences inside the car. So, Nick. How does the use of AI and monitoring inside the car grab you? Yeah, it grabs me pretty well. So look, I think this is this is great because it kind of is a complementary uh, 
episode to a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about recently, right? Um, you know, my general impressions here is that this is exciting to see that we're thinking about the entire system, not just like, okay, well, how does a driver deal with an autonomous system, but how can an AI system monitor the driver and provide subtle recommendations to that driver? Also, last week, or not last week, two weeks ago, I guess, we looked at how the car itself can interact with the system outside of the vehicle. So we're looking at this whole thing holistically. And then even further back, we talked about AI and in, in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And so AI has been a pretty, pretty big topic on the show recently. So I, I guess our patrons want to hear a lot about AI, which I, I'm happy to talk about. It's, it's awesome. I think this comes with a lot of interesting questions um, more than answers. There are certainly some applications that we can look at for this type of technology, AI inside the vehicle, monitoring the driver, monitoring the passengers. I think the interesting piece of it comes um, perhaps with the ethics. And that's where I'll leave it. But what did you think of this article? So I thought it was really interesting um, because the it is clearly a next step. I think the Certainly, when we when we spoke in the, uh, the the last episode, we spoke a lot about how drivers' helmets have to be there, poised, ready to take action. And we know that it's it's almost that um, um, task is seen, task is done type approach. That we know that drivers are just not going to sit there; they're not going to be in the loop enough just to jump in uh, at a moment's notice. Otherwise, you might as well be driving. Um, so this is really getting I get uh, really appreciate appreciating the fact that. In autonomous vehicles, in particular, that they're not going to be doing, they're not going to be doing that, and this would really allow us to recognise the state of what people what people are doing. But just in everyday driving tasks as well, it's the um, the recognition that other things go on in the car. You're, you know, as a driver, you're not just solely focused on on the driving. You you've got the radio on, you've got people in the back, um, the kids crying, all that sort of uh, that sort of thing, and they all add to the general ambience of of your driving task. In fact, it really made me think. I don't know if you had that. Uh, remember that Simpsons episode where Homer has to design a car, and <laughs> he ends up designing the car, and basically the driver is in a bubble at the front, um, and that is the ideal possibly for many people. But we're not there, and I think this this sort of recognizes that. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's 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 good. But I think we need to get stuck into it a bit more. Um, should we have a look at where we're at with the uh, basically refresh everybody on where we are with the current state of AI systems within cars? Yeah, that's a great segue. I was going to say, why don't we take a look at this? Yeah, so let's take a look at AI inside cars. Then we'll maybe talk about the human factors issues uh, with the drivers and passengers. And then we'll link it all back to the story like we usually do. We circle back and talk about all this stuff. So let's talk about AI systems in cars, right? So we we have the elephant in the room, which is autonomous vehicles. Um, and that we talked in depth uh, for last week, you know. So I keep saying last week. It was two weeks ago. Um so, so go back and listen to that discussion for more of a state on how autonomous vehicles themselves are doing. I think we can look at kind of AI in the sense of a big picture in terms of um, automotive technology, right? Because there's there's various ways in which AI is being utilized from start to finish of the development life cycle of this uh, of automobiles, right? So you have uh, everything from um, development of the concept. Uh, you have like I'm thinking like maybe even uh, AI models of like wind resistance. You have that. Right. And and this is talking about the holistic thing. And we'll get to inside the cabin here last. But 
um, you have you have kind of looking at the holistic uh, the, the air models you have um, even AI in terms of the assembly line and manufacturing uh, so whether or not a car needs a certain piece how to optimize that uh, whole manufacturing piece to make sure that the timing of systems are just right and all that stuff and then you also have um, AI on the road like I said that's kind of the, what we talked about last week and then this week we're talking more about inside the cabin, monitoring drivers, passengers, that type of thing. It's almost worth it to take a step back and look at AI in terms of, you know, just, just AI, not, not necessarily even in the cabin, but uh, we certainly can look at that too. I'm thinking for AI, you know, it's, it's good for these complex solutions that we may not necessarily have the time or resources to have a human do those things. Um, and it's right now it's kind of viable for these automated vehicle use cases. And I think that's where we're at right now. We're kind of just on the threshold of understanding how these automated vehicles, uh, can be, it can leverage AI to, be effective, right? But I think there's a lot of drawbacks with this. You know, there the, these these models they're becoming so large because there's a lot of things that you need to account for, and you can start to extrapolate this to inside the cabin too, right? And and understanding human behavior is incredibly difficult thing. Humans are bad at it, and so it's like you know I, we're we're better than most uh, other species at understanding human behavior, <laughs> but <laughs> even so, right? Like. Uh, we're, we're probably the best thing we have at it. And it's still difficult to read and understand body language um, or even, you know, inflection and tone and all these Im really important things when it comes to communication. And so if you're trying to um, to sort of uh, develop an artificial intelligence system that is trying to monitor that stuff inside the cabin, you're going to have you're going to need a bunch of data for this type of thing. You're going to need uh, understanding of how decisions are made um, on the uh, on the models themselves, right? Well, the data comes in. How does that model make decisions based on that data that comes in? Um, there's, a, there's a lot of things that go into artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, safety is another piece of it, right? Um, we can talk about this with some specific examples later, but uh, I'm thinking of like the case where maybe the maybe the car or automated system within within the vehicle misunderstands what a uh, human is doing and creates a situation where um, it then puts the human at risk because of uh, a um, exposure to a a what's the word I'm looking for a, a exposure to that bad stimuli. So like it might pull the car over where that might be more dangerous than, you know, just driving forward. Anyway, that that's kind of some of the things I'm thinking about. What about you, Barry? Where's where's the current state of AI to you? Like what what key things do you want to bring out? So I think the I mean, one of the big things that I think we should be looking at is is regulation as well. And the impact of regulation is going to have on on AI in, in general. So there's all sorts of things around um um, personal information. So in the EU, we've got GDPR, the um, the the ability to understand where all your data is being used and how it's being used and the, the appropriateness of that. Um, and really, there's almost uh, 
big hammer to crack small nut at the moment. We don't really know how AI is going forward and how that's got how that is going to play, but we've got some really um I guess sledgehammer rules that really could be a, a nut, um stifle how AI is is developed and, and going on and moving forward. Um but I think the some of the interesting bits here are going to be around where AI in automotive is 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 going to be in and where that's going. Um and so yeah, to drive into some of that, I guess, is we've we've got a AI in, in in AI technology and automotive has got um a whole bunch of bits around it that just we really we we're starting to get to use, but it's almost at the at really that the the precipice of things that we could do really well. So we've got to have the decisions that it makes, we've got to have them, they've got to be understandable. People have got to drill into them and understand why they're making the decisions, which goes back to the point that you were making earlier. So they'll use neural networks to come up with these decisions, but we've got to understand why. And they've got to make the same decisions on a repeatable basis. So, you know, it, not just choosing A on one day and, um, and B on the next, and not understanding why that's going to happen. Um, and then the, the thing that always trips a lot of this thing up is the edge cases is when things are not hap uh, th things happen that you don't expect and how does it handle that um and will it do it in a in a really good way so the current ai gets used on sort of speech recognition user interfaces diagnostics in maintenance um and things like that uh vision recognition so making sure that you you know thing i, I stayed in lane and, and and things like that um but as we get for as we going forward the the driving element is more and more being taken over by by AI. We've talked about things like Tesla and other things in the past about having their um, auto drive capabilities, and we we starting to get uh, a lot more down that route of how could we um, how do a cars taken over more of the driving task? Um, so we we should be able to see in the future that actually software is doing a lot of the driving. We've seen elements of where. Uh, taxi services, for example, will be expected not to have a driver in them. You will get in the get in the vehicle, and it will take you where you need to be. Um, there's going to be some issues around that. Around you know, how do we do the the software development and the the cyber security of it? So how do we make sure that um, something that is using AI doesn't get hijacked? And there has been some really interesting things on YouTube and things like that where people have been shown to demonstrate how they can hack a car system through some an open leak on the windscreen wiper and and things like that so there's got to be a fair bit of work done around that um that cybersecurity bit to have that complete trust in there yeah and you you bring up cybersecurity and i think to me cybersecurity is one of the largest sort of um uh not missing links but <clears throat> sort of gaps right in in sort of the way that we're thinking about this and we also i want to link that back to um, something you said about, you know, data and, and personal data and what happens with it. Right. So you have, you know, you mentioned GDPR that to me, the whole ethics of what happens to data, especially when you're collecting data on a person, right. It's one thing to get driving habits, right. Where you, it might, it, you, you have a car that's attached to an owner and you get driving habits from them. And that to me is like one of those cases where it's probably okay to gather because you can't really tell who's behind the wheel um, at any given time unless you have data on like seat height and you know, th there's other things that you can get right but it, it becomes a little bit less clear but when you're pointing a camera right at somebody 
and you're trying to get information on their body language, on the number of yawns that they're doing, uh, the number of blinks that they're doing, how long their eyes are closed while you're on the road. This becomes very dangerous uh, when you start to think about the implications for what uh, insurance companies can do with that type of data, right? And so, or even worse, right? Like imagine if those are markers for other things like, um, I don't know, sales habits or something. I, I'm making a huge stretch here, but you know, if that data is exposed, uh, it's going to be a big problem for people to solve. And so cybersecurity comes down and all that. Then we have the ethics of that, right? You know, it, it, there's laws in some states and some countries that require people who are getting data collected on them to be notified, right? GDPR, I think, is kind of that, but for the internet, that's my understanding. Um, and so will you need to have something where you hop into an automated taxi service that monitors the inside of the cab um, and collects data and operates on that data? Will you have to notify the, the you know, passengers? You know, is it something where you, you summon an Uber or Lyft with your phone and while you're waiting and says, hey, we're going to give you an automated vehicle. While you're in there, we might collect video on you. And this is what we're going to do with it. You know, and if you agree, hit yes. Otherwise, we'll get you a human driver. Um, you know, or, is or that no. or not? Uh, yeah, we, yeah. we don't have humans anymore. We got rid of them. Um, and so, like, is that something that you agree to up front? I feel like that's probably the loophole that a lot of companies are going to do. You know, hey, we might collect data on you while you're in the vehicle. Um, do you agree? Yeah, that's, that's the agreement. Break. It'll be the latest implementation of the uh, the cookie agreement, won't it? So whenever you go to a website, yeah. we've got to collect cookies on you. Do you agree? Does anybody read that anymore? No, no they don't. They just collect. Go. It's, it's a bit like T's and C's on small print. You know, very few people read the T's and C's. Now, you know, no matter how many studies you do, they don't do it. You know, they just click OK and they'll they'll go through to use the uh, um, to use the capability. So. Right. Yes. So I, I was hinting at it a little bit, but I, I want to get into sort of the human factors bits within um, the people inside the car. Yeah. Right. We yeah. we talked a lot last week. I keep saying last week. Talked a lot about last time, the people outside the car and how the car interacts with them. Let's talk about some of the issues facing people inside the cabin. Right. So you have um, and kind of the state of where things are at right now in terms of cabin monitoring, right? You have some things. I think this is your point. Do you want to talk about this? Yeah, so the, there's already some basic driving monitoring tools on the market. So um, you, a lot of the systems have a camera mounted to the steering wheel or, or somewhere in the cabin that's tracking driver's eye movements and particularly like blink rates and things like that to determine whether the person's impaired. So they could be uh, distracted, they could be drowsy, they could be drunk. Um, or they might just have a really weird blink rate. Um, who knows? But fundamentally, driving is a complex, you know, it's a cognitively demanding activity. Um, you're doing a whole lot of things at the same time. So you're constantly planning and replanning what you're doing. You've got to concentrate on what you're doing on the task itself. So you're trying to get from A to B. You're trying to navigate junctions. You're trying to look, um, understand where you are in relation to other vehicles on the road, as well as what's going on inside the car. Um, so, you know, have you got children crying have you got your partner talking to you have you got the radio on are you um singing very loud music as i, I sometimes do right but 
it's not also not just about being in that moment. You've got to be anticipating what you're going to do next. Are you going to be going for? Are you going forward? Are you going to do some sort of turning? Are you? Going, is somebody else going to do something that you you might have to react to? So you you're you're anticipating where things may or may uh, go wrong, or you know a, a light might stop. You might be you might have missed a junction or something. So you're actually having to problem solve on the go. Um, and do that sort of thing. You've got to be able to take complex situations with lots of different things going on. You could have bad weather and that type of thing. You've got to be able to react to that quite quickly and efficiently. And apparently, um, you're meant to do all this quite calmly. Um, <laughs> some people may or may not do it. And that's where AI might be slightly better. They might be slightly right. calmer than me. Um, but you've got to do things quite quickly, quite effectively, um, because everybody's on the road and the road is a very dynamic place and different people have different attitudes to it. Um, so then you might, uh, if you're doing all of this stuff all of the time, um, if you're tired and it could be just, you know, mild tiredness, like post-lunch dip, or it's because you've had a, a lack of sleep and, and, you know, long hours and that type of thing that affects how you concentrate. And, and it'll give you this idea of, um, what, what they call in the health safety terms of near misses. So where you haven't actually had an accident, but, Right. Because you took a last minute um, diversion, then you have a um, you you could have had an accident. Um, it was very very close. It was a near miss. Um, those, so I don't know you talk a bit more about near misses. Yeah, those by the way are really n- not difficult, but um, but yeah, they are difficult to collect information on, right? Because no one reports near misses unless there's like some spectacular thing that happened. Um, you know, like you watch these dash cam videos of people who do these amazing recoveries, but yeah. don't have any damage to their vehicle. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'll that wow, that could have been really bad. And those instances, it's like we don't really collect a whole lot of data on that um, that I know of. But, the, you know, these types of events, these don't these don't really cause injury and they don't have that much immediate impact other than kind of minorly disrupting road flow or something like that but um you know these near misses they they tend to be kind of these indicators of um higher risk uh individuals that might get into accidents right so the more the more near misses you might have those are good indicators of of sort of whether or not you'll get into an accident later on um and, and you mentioned drowsiness um you know near misses apparently are 14 times more common than actual accidents. And so if, if you're thinking about that, um, for somebody who's drowsy, that is incredibly important for mm. getting them off the road or, you know, getting them an energy drink or something. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, you know, thinking about concentration, right? That's the other thing. You mentioned all these complex factors about driving. There's, there's of course, the uh, concentration part of it, too, where... Um, you, you mentioned people in the car might be a distraction. If you're looking back at the baby, if you're talking to somebody in the passenger seat, if you're singing out loud, closing your eyes, those types of things, um, you know, those play a large, uh, role in some of these accidents, right? So the national highway traffic safety administration, they estimate that about 25% of all accidents that re- that are reported by the police involve some sort of inattention. Um, either just drivers distracted, asleep, fatigued, lost in their thoughts, et cetera. Um, and that's really big. And so now if we, if we start to piece all this stuff together, right, the, where AI is at right now, uh, what the human factors issues are within the cabin, we can kind of revisit this article 
the promise of using AI inside the cabin to help the human ultimately, right? Um, I think this is where we have the discussion. Like, what what key takeaways do you want to take away from this discussion, Barry? Well, when you let's look at the um, at where we need to drive a lot of this. I mean, the the point you were just making there around near misses in in other domains, near miss reporting is, is quite a is quite a significant thing. Um, in the workplace, you meant to report near misses. In aviation, you meant to report near misses. We don't do that on the road because um, there's no drive to drive to do so. So there needs to be something around if we're going to use this sort of technology. There's got to have to be some sort of policy, some sort of uh, push to be able to do that. So in Europe, the the, the NCAP, uh, which is the new car assist, uh, assessment program, is now going to be or has been doing since 2020, um, been rating cars based on the advanced occupant status monitoring. So what can it do already to do that? But to get a five star rating, car makers will need to build in car technologies that check for the driver fatigue and distraction. And, and certainly 2022, NCAP will award rating points for technologies that detect the presence of a child left alone in a car, potentially preventing tragic deaths by heat stroke, et cetera. That's kind of a, an aside. It, it's more about, the, this is the fact that we've got to have some basic policy. We've got to have some driver within the um, uh, within the car market to be saying, right, this te- these te- technologies, they need to be developed. They need to be done for, for safety reasons. Um, so I think that that's going to be quite um, a, quite a good thing. Um, but can you see any sort of examples out there about where you know what sort of things we could do, um, you know, in, in quite simple terms to to be able to um, help drivers? Yeah, I think there's a couple um, that the article here actually mentions itself. So you know, if the driver is glancing at the speedometer too often, or um, you know, something like that, where they're looking at it, the the vehicle's display screen could send a gentle reminder on that um, on the speedometer to keep his eyes his or her eyes on the road. Right. So that's like kind of bare bones right there. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're looking at something too often. Uh, you, you, you get them to look back at the thing that they should be paying attention to, which is the road. Um, you, you also have sort of the other extreme where, you know, if a driver's texting or turning around uh, to check in on a baby vehicle could send a more urgent alert um, or even suggest that the driver pulls over uh, to a safe space. And then you also have like, even more extreme than that, you have the system actually taking over for the driver and pulling off yeah. to the side of the road uh, because they've they've deemed the driver to be um, too too uh, incapacitated to even do that much, right? Um, but I mean, like you think about driving is your central task and everything else is kind of per- periphery, and and so. <laughs> to have an AI system jump in at that point and be kind of a, a big step. But I mean, there's other things that you can do too, right? Like let's say, let's say the system notices you uh, are not looking at something often enough either. It could do a subtle, gentle push to that area too, right? I'm thinking like you're not checking your rear view mirror often enough. And so maybe, you know, just a subtle orange glow around it, you know, that, that might go, Oh, that's, that's a change. I need to look up in that direction. What was that change? Oh, hey, I need to check my rear view. What's going on back there? Right. Um, and it's not even something that has to be constant. Right. You're, you're not like instructing them to look at their rear view, but you just give them a subtle cue to say, OK, hey, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Look, look at those. Um, and then if they don't do it again, you know, more attention to it, maybe a slightly brighter orange or something, you know, up to the red where it's like, hey, you really need to look. Um, so I think there's there's some good examples out there of what a system like this could do. 
there's also sort of the conversation of, well, where could this go in the future and what kind of crazy things could we think? Uh, Barry, can you think of any crazy things we could think up in the future? Well, I'm surprised we haven't come up with the idea of the artificial intelligence ejecting the baby that's been distracting. Oh, yeah, there uh, you go. That's that's perfect. That's, that's probably not what we should do. But no, you, I mean, you, all cars are now prided around, you know, the, the in-car entertainment, aren't they? So even if you're, you know, you own your vehicle or it's a ride-sharing vehicle, why, why can't we leverage that artificial intelligence to deliver content based on, you know, the rider's engagement, the their emotional state, their, their reactions and personal preferences? And it could really, you know, that could vary on the different type of trip you're going on, the situation you're doing, the, the meeting you're going to, or the um, the family occasion you're there. So if you're going to, say, I don't know, a sporting event, um, the system could basically serve up the ads that are relevant to that activity. And um, if you th think that the passenger's responding well to the ad, then he might offer you know, a coupon or um, for, for a snack at the game, it, you know. Happy, happy customers, happy advertisers, um, a really sort of focused um, uh, fo focused event and focused journey. Um, and I guess that then leads you to, to say, well, actually, is it more of a mobile media lab? Because by observing the reactions to the content, which you've got your audience basically sat there in a fairly fixed space, um, so you could really read the reactions. The the system could offer recommendations. It could pause the audio if the user becomes too inattentive, and and customize the ads in accordance with 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 their preferences. So, content providers could really use this to uh, determine which channels deliver the most engaging content, um, and use it to set I don't know, ad premiums and stuff. So it it could be a really sort of proactive way to give you that sort of um, that that media experience that um, you know ties in your entire journey. Or has that just gone a bit too crazy? No, I think that makes sense, right? I think it gets a little questionable when you know we're trying to like advertise to people. But I mean, in terms of like content recommendations, like let's say I'm on my way to a conference uh, versus a vacation with my family, right? You know, it's you mentioned that kind of uh, personalization, right? Based on the context or reason of the trip, right? That that I could see being something really cool. I'm going to Human Factors and Ergonomic Society, and I want to I want to see things about um you know the the city that i'm in because maybe i've been too focused on the conference and not enough about mm -hmm. the destination and oh hey check this out there's there's something down the way here that you might want to check out or here's some human factors history in in the city that you know i don't i don't know who's producing that content if you're producing that content let me know i'd love to have you on the yeah. show um but uh <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's cool and i think um these these types of examples that we just mentioned here are just kind of breaking the surface right it, Absolutely. i think ultimately these types of systems can be used to make things much safer uh to make systems much more reliable and to just make transportation surface transportation in general much more enjoyable and sort of uh it, it keeps coming back to safety but yeah i mean that's really the goal just keep people alive when they go from point a to point b uh any other closing thoughts on this one barry um, I guess just one more, and it was kind of inspired, and I think I've mentioned him the other week, is um, a point that Pro uh, Professor Paul Salmon made on Twitter, I think it was today. Um, basically, the we are spending a lot of time trying to make AI inside and outside the car fit inside um, the current world, which is not made for AI. We're trying to crowbar something um, that is very clever into a non-clever environment. So is there, should we be thinking also not just about the car itself, but the environment that it's driving in? Um, 
in order to to meet that uh, that safety ambition. Um, so I guess very altruistic, uh, very, very high level thinking there. But I ju- it just sort of uh, uh, chimed a, a thought with me there that maybe we we should also be looking outside the car um, in terms yeah. of this technology. Yeah, good, good thoughts. All right, well, thank you to our patrons this week for selecting our topic, and thank you to our friends over at the IEEE Spectrum for our news story this week. If you want to follow along, uh, you can... I, I've not been doing office hours, admittedly, but, but that's because news has been light. It usually gets pretty light around the holidays. Anyway, uh, I sometimes do office hours. You can find me there. And we do post the links to all of our original articles on our weekly roundups on our blog. You can also join us on our Slack or Discord for more discussion on these stories. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be uh, back to see what's going on around the Human Factors community right after this. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. Our huge thank you, as always, to our patrons. Especially want to thank our honorary Human Factors Cast staff patrons, Michelle Tripp. Patrons like you keep the show running. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Uh, so we're going to do a little something a little, a little different here. Um, normally, this is where we talk about Patreon. We talk about Patreon a lot. Uh, but one of those things that we do for Patreon is Human Factors Minute. And this is something that I like to do from time to time because I'm a huge data nerd. I really like understanding... Uh, what exactly we promised and what exactly we're delivering. So let's talk about that. Right now, as of the time of this recording, uh, we have 96 episodes of Human Factors Minute available for your consumption. Um, This is counting the TMC's episodes, which everyone gets for free. Um, But our total time in Human Factors Minutes is one hour, 56 minutes, and 16 seconds. That is a lot. Hold on a second. Yeah, ninety-six episodes of Human Factors Minute, so that should be ninety-six minutes. You would expect it. You would expect that, right? Uh, so let's let's talk about it. the average length is actually seventy-three seconds. So you're actually getting a little bit more than a minute on average. Um, which so so we should be calling it Human Factors Minute and a Quarter. It, we could, we could. It doesn't ring, it doesn't roll it's off the good. tongue as easily. No, that's true. But let's actually look at some of the stats here, right? So twenty-five of them are clock in at one minute exactly or less. Uh, and 75 of them are 61 seconds or longer with 14 of those, 14 of those 45 being longer than 90 seconds. Um, so, so we actually did our longest one was the most recent one that we did on uh, surface transportation, uh, the technical group at HFES that, that was at a minute and 59 seconds. I think any longer than that, that's kind of my absolute limit with it, right? We don't want to go beyond that because then it wouldn't be a human factors minute. I'm still counting that first minute. Uh, we're rounding down. That's, that's still not a minute. I, I hate to be the bearer of, of whatever. Is, but that's still twice as much as what you promised. Look, I'm, I'm rounding like, down. As long as it has one. In the, we round up anything below a minute and we round down anything above a minute. 
in between two months. So that's that's how it, that's how that math works out, right? Um, one of my favorite episodes of Human Factors Minute still remains Ancient Human Factors History. Uh, that's available for free to everyone right now. In fact, the first ten episodes, as well as the TMC's uh, Human Factors Minutes, are available to everyone for free. You can check out our Patreon for details on that. Um, and one last little tease for you all. That is uh, the only place where you can get Blake for exclusive Blake content right now. Um, we're still working on getting him back soon. So uh, bear with us on that. But that's that's where you can get to Blake for now. Um, that's all I have. It's, it's kind of fun to jump into those metrics from time to time. It's a little, uh, little extra thing. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and get into this next part of the show we like to call... That came from... It came from. That's right. This is the part of the show where we search all over the internet to bring you topics the community is talking about. It's It Came From. This week it is Reddit. If you find these answers helpful, uh, give us a like to help other people find this type of content. All right. We got three tonight. They are all great questions. Let's tackle this first one first. Uh, it says, would you work at a company that doesn't use Figma? And I'm going to go ahead and extrapolate here and say we're going to be talking about not just Figma, but other tools here, right? Um, I had an interview at a tech company. The interview said they primarily use Azure since they have better prototyping slash interaction features than Figma. They want me to do a design challenge for the next round. I asked if I could use Figma. They said to try and download the free trial of Azure since that's what they use. Uh, I asked what they like better about Azure than Figma. They said they can make detailed prototypes for user testing. If it's a design challenge uh, and that I'm being tested on my UX and critical thinking skills, shouldn't the tool not matter so much? I use Figma plus ProtoPy. I I haven't heard that one. And I find it way more efficient than Azure. Mind you, the job description listed Figma as one of the tools also. So let's talk about this um, from two perspectives, right? One, should the tool prevent you from completing task? And two, uh, what happens if a company is forcing you to do a tool, use a tool for either um, an interview or the work itself? Barry, take it away. Yeah, so it's an interesting one, this isn't it? Because I think if they're just wanting to see um, an example of you doing things, then actually maybe the tool doesn't matter so much. But if you're going to go for and work for a company, you're wanting to go and work for a company and their tool set is that they use as your, um, or whatever the tool is, it, it doesn't matter. And it could be, you know, almost across the piece. I, I have a really interesting discussion with a um, um, sister company that uh, of ours that they use um, Google for most of their, their, um, their office suite and we use Microsoft. And it's one of the things of like, well, if you want to come do, our ecosystem is set up to use that whatever it is. And if they're using Azure as their as their design tool, then why do you want to go in and throw go in and improve basically stick something in there that says, I want to come and work for you, but I don't want to come and use any of your tools. Therefore, you're making it harder for them to accept you. And for them to you want to make if you want to go and work for them, then you need to be making yourself um understand that, that that's what that's what they're going to go and use. So I kind of see that what this person is saying, you know, actually that you want to do my design, you you want my UX skills, um, critical thinking skills, and it shouldn't matter the way I do it. The truth of the matter is it does matter. Um, because if you're not willing to go and use the tool set that the company is going to use, and yet the person next to you is willing to go and use the tool set they're going to use, 
and you can both do UX, that's going to be a deciding factor. So, yeah, I think you just need to crack on and, and learn how to use Azure because it is actually, I, I do agree to a certain extent that, um, that the, the, tool, the two tools are, are, have their pluses and minuses. Um, but if that's what the company want you to use, then I'd suck it up, buttercup. What do you think? <laughs> I have I have conflicting views on this, right? I think um I think a company should be supportive if a, a an employee wants to use a different tool within reason. Um if, you know, a key part of their package as an employee uh relies on a specific tool, then I think maybe the employee should be willing to um expand you know like maybe a key functionality or something is contained within a certain tool it might be it might be a um a good justification but that employee is is the one responsible for bringing up that justification at the same time i think you should be flexible and i don't think tools really matter i could use excel or i could use google sheets doesn't much matter i can do most of the same things in both of those programs um with some differences obviously but like tools shouldn't matter uh, it's exactly what you're talking about here. And in terms of interviews, I'm a little torn on this one. Uh, I think I think maybe the company should be more receptive to using a different tool. Maybe they don't have a license. Uh, and especially if you're trying to use a free version and evaluate somebody's skills based on um, you know their unfamiliarity with a new product, I think that's a little unfair. Um, I think if, a, if an employee truly values somebody's ability to do the core uh, responsibilities of the job, they should be willing to see what their work looks like and the, their preferred tool, and then you know, kind of ask them to switch over and provide the training required. You know, a tool is a tool; you can train up on a new tool, and cha tools change all the time. Um, so I don't know. I, I think I think everything's kind of bad here. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think the point you made around, you know, if, if, and I think this is a bit of a distinction for me is if you've got an employee and I've, I've been there where an employee has turned around to me and actually it was with, with Azure as well. Um, they turned around and said, actually, you're doing stuff in, in this um, way. If you used Azure, then we could actually do it a lot cleaner, a lot simpler. You could, you could do a lot of this stuff. And I was like, absolutely. Well, yeah, let's try it. Let's give me a demonstration. Let's pick a system. We'll design the system. Right. And, the system. and that's one thing I think, but here I think we, cause you are wanting the job. Um, and I kind of get have that feeling of why, you know, fundamentally, if I'm going, if the company's asked me to do X as a demonstration and there's two of us sat there, um, why would I do something that puts me at, a, you know, at such distinct odds um, if I'm wanting the job? And if, if, I'm one, if I don't want the job that much that I'm willing to have a fight with the person who is not even my employer yet, then you don't want it that much. So what's the, you know, what, what, what's the gold egg at the end of this? Um, you you clearly want employment, and if you don't want employment, then why are you interviewing in the first place? Yeah, well said. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I don't know. That's that's where I stand on that one. Not it's not too controversial. <laughs> Learn to adapt to new tools, and let people use their preferred tool. It's all the same, right? <laughs> Completely conflicting information. Uh, just just make it happen. All right, let's uh, get into this next one here. This one is by. Um, IDK, what to put as my user on the user experience subreddit. This is a UX job without the title. I'm a junior with a new junior role doing user experience. However, my title doesn't sound like the typical UX ones. It sounds more related to data or marketing. 
Will this matter when I'm applying for more UX jobs in the future? Barry, what do you think? Does job title impact your hireability for future prospects? No, not at all. Um, I think if you all right, we're uh, moving uh, on to the next one. No, I'm just kidding. Yep, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I think no. I mean, fundamentally, if you're if you're doing stuff and you know you really put down just a job title, you put down a bit of a description as well. Um, job titles, you know, we've seen we've seen some amazing job titles from people who are at like sort of Google and them sort of things where you make up your own job title and stuff. Um, the I think the job titles itself doesn't really matter. Um, I think you you have your little bit of blurb which will say that you do UX work or whatever it is. Um, and then you could, it, it, in fact, could be make it a bit more intriguing. So I don't think it really matters too much. But that goes. I go back to what I've said in previous episodes about the difference, cultural differences between UK, and US. Is UK we typically don't have straight. You know, we don't have very discreet UX roles or you know UX research or UX designer. More people are clumped in together. You know, you be a master of two or three trades, um, and that's fine. So there might be a bit of a difference in the US. What what do you think no um i mean look it i've heard it both ways here um let's slap my it depends button because the uh in some ways i i like i wouldn't look away from anyone who submitted their resume uh for for a position like just off the merits of job title. Like that's not something that I would do. I wouldn't go, oh, this person says they're data analysis and they're applying for a design role. No, like that's not something that happens. Um, I would look at it and I might scratch my head a little bit going, uh, hmm, data analysis, that's interesting. Um, you know, but as long as everything checked out on the resume, like the stuff that they've written in their resume was like, hey, did this type of research, did this type of, you know, and it's like, Okay, well, I can see what you're going for here. Your job title just didn't match your role, and it's it's really what you're writing below that. Um, and so, to me, that doesn't matter. The thing where it might matter is where um, systems use automated, uh, like let's say this is your only job, and systems use automated uh, sorting techniques to weed out resumes um, for a potentially high. Um, highly sought after position that might be a case where you might just want to change it on your resume and say like, Hey, look, if you go and contact the employer, they'll say, I actually did this uh, as my job title, but um, you know, kind of explain it away in the resume. And, but I mean, really you shouldn't have to lie too much. It's just, it's fine. And like you said, Barry, I think it is actually more intriguing. Um, if somebody is coming from one of those other, you know, uh, uh, titles, because then it's like, uh, tell me that story. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So makes you interesting. Makes you, makes you unique. Yes, there you go. All right, let's get into this last one here. This one's from uh, Jell and Drail on the user experience subreddit. How to get projects for your first portfolio when you don't have real customers? Is there something like front-end mentor? I don't know what that is. Uh, or brief box for UX projects. I don't know what those are, but how do you get, uh, let's see here, data when you don't have real customers? They go on to write, I want to switch careers from building websites uh, and doing UI designs to a full-blown UX career. Been working in the web field for seven years now. Um, now I'd like to switch to the UX field and really take users' needs front and center. The agency I'm working at really isn't that professional. I don't have great products to show, which means 
I have to create about four to five new portfolio projects. I'm doing the Google UX certificate course right now, and I'll have some projects by the end of it. I want to have something that doesn't just look like a course project and that has uh, that may look real. Do you have any ideas on where to get briefings and data for projects like this, or do you have proven approaches on how to get such a project rolling all by myself? Any help would be highly appreciated. And thanks in advance. All right, Barry, we've tackled this question before, but I think it's bear it bears repeating. It bears mm -hmm. repeating. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tackle this question? So I guess for me, a lot of it is around um, actually some cool ways of doing this is look at where a local charity, local voluntary um, organizations might want some sort of experience. Um, and you can basically get briefs from them and ensure that, you know, you're, you're going to use some of your time and, and effort into producing them some, some great product. Not only then will you um, get some um, things in your portfolio, but you will actually find you'll probably make some really interesting contacts that you didn't think about making in the first place. Um, so that will work. Also, actually make up your own project isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, if you can work out, um, you know, problems and ideas that you know that you that could that could be solved um in terms of sort of web design or web websites then as long as you document what you're doing and the use case that you're sort of doing it for um and the, the problem that you're trying to solve you can actually roll through quite a lot of it um on your own um but certainly the the best examples i've seen of that is is going down that voluntary route and finding people who need um you know, the, the websites that wouldn't necessarily be able to engage with them normally that kind of works for me but and i know you've got some um different ideas as well uh, nick so what, what do you yeah. what's your suggestions so so let's see here uh a couple things i think your points are great and uh i don't disagree with them at all i think um this topic is something that i feel pretty passionate about and uh i have like a non-trivial more serious draft of like a, a masterclass type uh, <laughs> program for exactly this. And if that's something that people are interested in and want to actually find out more about, I encourage you to write in to let me know that this is a great idea and that I should pursue it. Um, you know, step-by-step -step guidance for how to do something like this to, to help, um, you know, uh, students or people even who are looking to switch over into UX to build up their portfolios without the user data. If this is something you're interested, reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Um, but my my um, my high level advice here is that the the problems exist. You just need to go and look for them. Um, and so whether that is, you know, like you said, Barry, at a local agency, or if it's um, or or if it's with an established product that you feel passionate about, I think there are plenty of opportunities to look for it. And when it comes to real data, there are ways to get that uh, without sort of um, without faking it. Or it's it's real user data, um, and that's that's the interesting piece to me, right? You can go to uh, some of these uh, forms that are out there, like the Reddit sub communities or anything like that, and look for problems that people have with the program, the game, the system, whatever you're uh, wanting to use for your portfolio and find a way to solve it. Um, and in your project, in your portfolio, cite that as a real issue that users needed uh, fixed with with whatever metric that you're going by, right? You can, you can state it was by a uh, number of upvotes, uh, you know, um, days visible on whatever, 
uh, or a number of votes in a Zendesk platform or something like that, right? There, there are ways of getting real user data that you can use to populate projects. And it's a great place to look for ideas if you're stuck and don't know where to go next. Anyway, that's my tease. If that is something that you're interested in, let me know. I like, like I said, I have a not, not trivia. It, it's, it's pretty thought out. So if that's something you want to see me produce, let me know. I'm happy to do that. Um, all right. I think uh, we get into this last part of the show. We call one more thing. It needs no introduction. So let's just get into it. Barry, what's your one more thing this week? So my one more thing was actually I was doing my planning for the rest of year for my podcast. I can't believe it's December. It's it is December. The, it's, it's absolutely crazy because the I basically got one more podcast episode from for my thing to record this year, and I'm done. 2021, it's out there. So I think now it's that case of um, even though it's yes we've only just turned December, but it's now we're getting into that festive season, and we're now going to think about parties and things like that, and whether we can go for parties with it, with everything else that's going on. But it's that it's that fundamental thing now. It's it's it, we can start that wind sort of that wind down. I've got a bit of a wind up before a bit of a wind down this month but it's i just can't get over that we are talking about being in december already it's just it's 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 mind-blowing in many ways the so, uh yeah, yeah. i i want to jump in because the the last like i don't know six or six to eight weeks of the of the year uh has this weird time dilation effect where it's both fast and slow uh simultaneously um yeah insane like yeah. like uh. Like Thanksgiving was a week ago for us here in the States. And it's like, that was just last week. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, you know, Chris, Christmas is going to be here tomorrow. And it's, <laughs> it's like, wow. All right. Um, yeah. Anything else for your one more thing? No, that was it. I just quite, um, that this year has gone, gone by in the flash of a flash of an eye. Yeah. So what about you? So where are you at? Uh, yeah, well, my one more thing is going to be the same one more thing that I had for last week, except now we have more details. So on mm -hmm. Friday, December 17th at 1 p.m. Eastern um, is going to be the first uh, HFES presidential town hall. So HFES uh, is putting on this town hall. Yours truly is going to be uh, moderating the event. Um, and it's basically an opportunity for you to discuss the latest human factors industry news trends um even state of the society if you want to show up for that it's uh chris reed is going to be there front of the show and we'll also have uh president elect uh carolyn summerrich is going to be there as well so it's going to be a great time um come ask your questions uh we're still working on setting up the event itself you can find it in our feed right now uh we're working on getting it linked up for all of them as well you can find it on any of our channels, any of the HFES channels. Uh, it will be out there. But uh, that is going to be it for today, everyone. Let us know what you guys think of the news, news story this week. Um, if you like this episode, we do invite you to check out the episode that we did just last time, episode 226, where we take a look at the state of autonomous vehicles and how they interact with the pedestrians. Uh, comment wherever you're listening with what you think of the story this week. For more in-depth discussion, join us on our Slack or Discord communities. You can always visit our official website, sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with all the latest Human Factors news. If you like what you hear, there's a couple ways that you can support the show. One, you can leave us a five-star review. That is free for you to do. You can do that right now, uh, and it makes us happy when we see those. Two, you could tell your friends about us. That is also free for you to do. It's a little bit more social pressure because you have to work it into conversation, but that is how we grow. That is an awesome way to help us grow. 
And three, if you're able to financially, it is the holiday season, so I totally get it if not. Um, but if you want to make our holidays, <laughs> you can consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, we are two away from being self-sustainable, and we have some interesting applications that we're looking to spend uh, the next tier of donations in. So, as always, links to all of our socials and our website are in the description of this episode. I want to thank Mr. Barry Kirby for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about automated vehicles, AI, inside cars? On Twitter, you can find me at Baz underscore K. And you can also listen to uh, my ramblings uh, on 1202, the Human Factors podcast, which you'll find at www.1202podcast.com. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me streaming on Twitch some Mondays. <laughs> for office hours and across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning into Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it depends. depends. All right. Um, I'm kind of lying here. We're not really going to do a post show tonight. We got some other stuff we need to record, um, but uh, it's it's been fun hanging out with you all. Um, so thank you for sticking around on the show despite our technical difficulties, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. If, if anybody wants to tell Nick just how great my bit was when he wasn't here, then feel free to message him. Oh, I'm going to go back and watch it, Barry. I'm going to go back and watch it. And in fact, <laughs> I'm probably going to insert the audio at the end of the patron uh, thing just because. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. You're not saying anything. Oh, hey, there we go. Hey, huge thank you as always to our patrons. At that moment where we've got to say uh, you're on mute. Yeah, yeah. It's been how long since the pandemic started and how long since I've been podcasting? Wow. All right. Huge thank you as always to our patrons, especially want to thank our honorary Human Factors cast staff, Michelle Tripp. Uh, patrons like you keep the show running. So thank you so much for your support. I want to jump in to a little uh, fun exercise that I like. Oh, and he's left us again. The um, the ability for for uh, Nick pushing his um, his drive is is a bit interesting. Um, but yes, as Nick says, the the more patrons we have, then the more we can actually do the the way that the uh, the, the patrons work. They help pay for our hosting fees as well as the domain fees and and all the other things that are associated with um, uh, associated with the show. And the thing, the other thing that has been we've been talking about quite recently is about Human Factors Minute, and that's been um, coming out quite uh, quite religiously for for the patrons. But actually, the the more recent episodes have been coming around for the Team C's episodes. And if you heard the last Human Factors Minute, you'd have heard an, an amazing rendition um, by myself, and and that was all about the use of. Um, oil and oil rigs on um and the way that, that that sort of pollution happens so if you haven't listened to the latest vision to uh, the latest versions of human factors minute then i suggest you do so there's a whole lot of um content around even though it's just they're all one minute long um there's now 96 episodes out there and you know that's including the team c's episode so that is um, a total time of one hour, 56 minutes and 16 seconds of just great content. Now, the irony is that um, even though you're meant to be a uh, Human Factors Minute and the, the, the clues in the name of being a 60 seconds long, the average length of a Human Factors Minute episode is 73 seconds. So really, you're getting really good value for money because you're getting more than a minute a week. Um, 
that, there's actually 25 of them that are uh, less than a minute. Um, but there's 75 of them, they're at least 61 seconds or longer with 14 of them. Some would say disgracefully be more than 90 seconds. Um, the longest one that we've had most recently was on the Surface Transportation Technical Group, um, which was 1 minute 59 seconds. And you could argue that does it fit the uh, that actual value of um, being a human factors minute at that point. And yeah, because Nick's not here, I can say I don't think it does. Um, one of Nick's favorites is the Ancient Human Factors History, which is available for free for everybody right now. The The first 10 episodes that came out, uh, in, as well as all the ones that are happening around uh, the Team C's minutes, are available to everybody for free. And if you check out, check out the, um, the Patreon for, for details of that. So there is also exclusive Blake content. And that's really, really good stuff because obviously I've been here, I've been sat taking on uh, to Blake's seat um, whilst he's on um, um, extended leave. and But at the moment, that is the only place you can hear Blake. So we worked on, get, on getting him back with us soon, so do bear with us. And it's Nick, it's great for you to join us. We've been having a great time here without you. <laughs> oh, um, great, thank you. So, do we do we want to? How 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 did that go? Do we do we need to record it, re-record it? I'm I've just been talking about human factors minutes for for well more than a minute. Um, but now that that's I'm I'm all happy with that. We'll see how you go with it afterwards. We could do a second run of it if you want. Let's let's just do a quick second run. So sorry for anyone watching. <laughs> My internet decided to drop out, and um, you know it normally doesn't happen when we record. So I don't know if my agreement with my ISP has been breached because i've done it two hours early or not anyway let's let's just oh, take that uh from not the top but from the uh from the bridge here let me let me take a. oh no i'm freezing up again are you still there did i lose you yeah yeah we're still here okay great good. okay wow what a show everybody what a show it's okay so if if i redo it um it will be an easier splice uh and oh. i will be there for the whole thing and it'll look less choppy so we'll, we'll just do that because <laughs> i could i could uh you know just fade it in versus um what's the word i'm looking for then, then chop me back in you know what i mean <laughs> uh now if only my browser was not trying to freeze up on me too i don't know what's going on um this is yeah you're having so, a great time no it's okay this is why people tune into the live show um, so our patrons, our patrons will get this whole audio, I think. Uh, actually, no, they won't, because I'll I'll splice in the actual show. But um, but anyway, this is this is part of the fun of showing up to the live show. Absolutely. Is it's like NASCAR? You don't go to watch the race; you go to watch the crashes, and this is one of those crashes. So, uh, you speak for yourself. I was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I mean. My system crashing. I'm sure. I'm sure you did a fantastic oh, okay. job. Yes, yes, and the production of of you know trying to make sure everything goes off smoothly without a hitch. Uh, blame the producer on that one. Um, so let me just. Uh, oof, why are my show notes not coming up now? Now we're really in trouble if I can't get back to my show notes. Uh, <laughs> so thank you, thank you everyone for for dealing with us uh, momentarily while we. 
do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it just a couple seconds of silence so I can, if that's okay.